Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Unprofessional. I'm your host, Webby. Joining me tonight, we got a special guest, B. B, you're back. I'm back. It's me, the B. Uh, we're slowly whittling down that. I'm pr- we're probably up to like 20 episodes you need to be on now or something. I know I owed you like 13 or something before. Um, yeah. So today we're going to do a little bit of an interview. So people who do listen to this can get to know you a little bit better. Um, maybe some of your listeners will try to do our best to keep it PG in case you want your listeners to come over and know more about you. That's completely I mean, I, do, I don't just try my best. I can be PG. It's you. Well, that's the problem. I'm, Hey, I'm usually pretty good. I feel. Okay. <clears throat> but, uh, so me, Devin, Rob, and I know I interviewed, Ross, who did the intro music for Simply Unprofessional. We've all answered these questions. Uh, yep. If there is a question, or if we start getting into a topic that you do not want to talk about, you do not have to. Just putting I that mean, out there. For... Yeah, I'll just tell you to get lost. That's fine. Um, Alright, so let's dive right in. Okay. Where did you grow up and or were you born there? If they're different places. Okay, that's a good question. Um, I have lived in the same place my entire life and was born here. Um, I grew up in... I don't know how, how specific you want me to be. You want me to be like... Obviously, I'm not going to be like, by the way, my address is... Well, yeah, you like, don't... I mean, if you want to just give a general area, like the closest city that you're near or... Uh, I live... I don't live near a city, really. Um... I live in extremely rural East Yorkshire, um, in the middle of nowhere, which is, um, for anyone that's British, they'll know what I'm talking about. If you're not British, then sorry, <laughs> must suck. Um, and yeah, it's really, really rural, really in the middle of nowhere. There's like nothing here. I got to drive like 40 minutes to get to like my nearest door kind of vibes, you know, really in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, I like it that way. I like it's quiet. There's not a lot of stuff going on. I like that I have to drive to go places. I don't want to be near things that are loud. So I'm pretty happy with that, personally. And you said that that was in the the north part of England, right? That's right, yeah. So I live in the north. Um, No, I live in the northeast. The north is... Like it's it's debatable what people <clears throat> consider to be the north and what people consider not to be the north because some people will, be, will say to you like Yorkshire's not really the north, is it? When like there's like all of like Newcastle and Merseyside and like the Lake Districts and stuff, and then we have like um Scotland and stuff like that above too. So you know it's it's debatable as it, as to how north it is. It is in the northern section of England, but it's not as north as it could be. If that makes sense. It could be much okay. more north. So you live in Northeast England. I live in Northeast America, which is called New England. 
Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Which we've already discussed how how many different names specifically my state has ripped off from England. Yes. Um You're you're very unoriginal over there. Well, yeah, but to be fair, when everything was named they were just leaving England, so I guess it comes from over there. So what you're saying is you're gonna blame us for <laughs> your your issues, basically. Well, not, I mean, the fact that you can't, you're incapable of being um, having unique. original thoughts. It's my fault. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's my, it's my fault for existing. Well, I mean, if it was me, I'd be able to name a town no problem without stealing it from somewhere else. Go on then. No, I won't. Why? <laughs> because this interview is about you, B, not about me. Well, it seems to have switched onto you pretty quickly. Well, God, you serve up your own facet. I'll just start naming them after D and D cities that are in my D and D world. There okay. we go. All right. That's another thing we have in common. I've lived it. I've lived where I live now my entire life. Uh, yeah. So, just add that to the list. Uh, Good to know. Speaking of your childhood, what was it like growing up in your house? Uh, I mean, fine. Like my my, I've got very loving parents. I'm very lucky. Um, and I mean, I I my, when I was growing up, it was just me and my sister, so it was mostly okay. I was ten years old before my brother was born, so it was just kind of me and my sister fighting a lot. We used to used to fight a lot um you know like like siblings do but not like you're know, like i don't know we used to do a lot of you know the arguing thing but me and my sister used to smack the crap out of each other as well um when we were growing up like stupid things for example she would um she would like hit me or something and then get me to hit her back but because i was older and bigger than her it would hurt more and then she would like fake cry more than like pretend to be in more pain than she was to get my mom's attention. So then my mom would tell me off while she got away with it, basically. Yeah. Um, and then she'd stand behind my mom after my mom was telling me off and stick her tongue out at me, you know? Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, see, I was the youngest child growing up in in my house, and I was always blamed for what my older brother and sister did wrong. Like, they'd yeah. always just blame me, and then I'd get in trouble. Um, until until my parents kind of caught on to what they were doing. And then it was like, well, I guess he's not as problematic as, you know, his brother and sister lead, lead me to believe. My <clears throat> sister has always been one of those, like, people, especially one of those, like, kids that will do anything to get her siblings into trouble. She loved, well, back then, she loved getting me into trouble as much as she possibly could. So any opportunity she got to get me in trouble, she would take it 100%. Well, but there was never um, any like real animosity between you or any of your siblings, right? No, we're all really close now. Um, my, I mean, my, well, you got to remember, my brother was born when I was 10, so I'm 10 years older than him, and he says he's 14 now. And then my other brother was born when, um, when I was 20. So, you know, I'm 20 years older than him. So we don't necessarily have like a the same kind of relationship that I have with my sister, 
me and my sister were really close in that like siblings like two years apart you know grew up together had that level of I think I I guess it's that little bit of like what's the word like feud between you both I guess yeah when you're close in age but like you really you love each other and only you're allowed to be rude to the other kid like you're only you're allowed to do things to your sibling you know like right. if anybody you're else did it then, yeah yeah like kind of vibe whereas with my brother he's that's 10 years younger than me he's because he's 14 you have that same protective vibe because i'm an adult less of that like feud because there's not really much to feud over there's nothing that i need that he could take from me or vice versa you know or like create issues not like he's gonna come in my room and use my makeup because even if he wore makeup he probably wouldn't come and use his 10 year old 10 years older than him sister's makeup do you know what i mean right yeah. so one of his one of these are teenagers so you just you don't really have a lot in common so it's much more of like a protective relationship i think with my older younger brother because he's a teenager he's not that interested in being around us anyway and he certainly isn't going to want to be around his adult siblings you know right um but then with my little brother because he's nearly four I think it's a, it's again it's a different kind of relationship where you have like the same protectiveness, but like he's super cute and super sweet, and you want to spend all time with him, you want to play with him, and you want to buy him things a lot because he's cute, you know. But it's definitely different to experiencing growing up with a sibling when you're both children, and like from the beginning, because like when I was a kid, I wanted to rip my sister's head off, but then now we're like really close, so I feel I think that's normal sibling rivalry, you know. You don't really get that with um, siblings that you're close in age to, I suppose. Right. Uh, it's probably far apart in age two in comparison. I really wish I had siblings that were protective of me growing up. but I was usually always the one that was like protective, but I didn't have a good time as a teenager, so not, I wouldn't have actually done anything anyway because I was always too afraid to do yeah. anything to help people. My sister became protective of me when I came out as trans. She became very protective of me at that point. Um, and still, I would say still is. And I think my brother is too, to be fair, even if he is 10 years younger than me. So, yeah. Well, it's good. Yours. They're very nice. <sighs> Complicated, but nice. I still fight with them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I, th- uh, I think it's pretty normal. I can hear Rob growling from his bedroom trying to... For anyone who doesn't know, Rob's building a desk. Yeah. yeah, he's building his desk right now in his room, and so he's pretty miffed. Yeah. Um. Mm. So the next... Well, we've already talked about your siblings. Um. You have a sister and two younger brothers. Yep. Um. What were your parents like, and like, what did they do for work? Uh, my parents have like had so many different jobs when I was growing up, but like the main thing that they did was that my dad was a security officer for a long time, and um, but not like that, not like the like fun kind. Like I feel like like you know like not Paul Blackmore cop, you know. <laughs> I feel like there's there's like a fun kind of like security guy. He was like the like factories are like abandoned like buildings late at night kind of security guy. Like they had to sit like at a hut at night and beat the security over like something in the dark you know alone gotcha. yeah small spooky could get killed <laughs> on a job kind of spooky uh, like security guard rather than fun i'd say um and my mom for most of my childhood she was a carer like for elderly people and then um 
then she moved to working for the post office. Um, and she's still works for the post office now. My dad actually works for Amazon now. <laughs> um, and not is not not in security anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> they've had so many jobs when I was growing up. It's kind of hard to. My parents have never been like the type of people that like enjoy a certain job for very long. They've always wanted to like do something different. If you know right, what I mean? Yeah. And also, we grew up quite low income <clears throat> in general. So they were, I suppose they were always trying to find a different job that was just better paid or right. better. Always trying to go up the ladder some way. In as best they can. I mean, as I'm sure you know, when you when you're a working class person, you know, capitalism doesn't really try to help you climb the ladder. Um, so my parents would try and and not really succeed to do that, but you know, at least they tried and still do. Right. Um. Do you ask how what the kind of people they are? Yeah. Like, what were your parents like growing up? My so I'm, I am very lucky because I have a very unique situation with my parents. Something that I know that is very very uncommon, particularly with American parents. It's more common in the UK to have parents like mine than it is over there. But my parents were never the type of people to try and push me to do anything I didn't want to do or anything that they felt was best for me. They always always encouraged me my entire life to do what I wanted to do, what I felt was like best for me, what I would enjoy. Like my mom always used to say to me growing up all the time that all you can ever do is your best at like school, and if if you fail after doing your best, but you know you've done your best, then that's you know that's fine. You've done your best, that's fine. Or they'd say things like growing up, my parents always said to me that I should do whatever job makes me happy as long as I'm like fed and have a house then that's all that matters i don't need fancy things or loads of money as long as i can afford the basics and i'm okay and i'm happy with the job that i do then that's fine with them they've never like tried to push me to like you know how a lot of parents will push you to go to college or will push you to have like certain career paths and things like that my parents never did that they never pushed me to do anything i didn't want to or really anything i wouldn't it's not even necessarily things that i didn't want to they never pushed me at all they just always allowed me to make my own choices um when it came to things like that and i think that's really good for a kid growing up i think it was really like they gave me encouragement towards things they knew i wanted to do but they never like pushed me in any certain direction right and i think that as a kid that is really helpful to have like parents that are like that because i know so many kids i mean as obviously i was a teacher for a while i i've met so many kids whose parents really try and push them to do really specific things like nope you have to be a doctor or nope you need to play piano or you need to be a teacher you know and like really push their kids to do things that they might not want to actually do for themselves and i mean that's first of all it's going to result in like rebellion you know the kids all start rebelling because their parents are being too strict but also i think it's a shame when you don't listen to kids like i hear about kids whose parents like won't let them pursue say art or music because they think they're like not going to earn enough money from those jobs and that they're not like proper jobs or whatever and i also get told a lot about like parents Who's, whose kids are at school and they're afraid to go home and tell them the grade they got in tests and stuff I would be devastated if my kids were afraid to come home and tell me that they'd like failed a test right because like I, I agree with my mom with the same teaching that she gave me when I was growing up that as long as they've done their best that's what's important right and there's so many things that go on in people's lives when I was a kid my mental health was so bad I messed up a lot in school because my mental health was really bad and my parents never made me feel like I was like fail like a failure because of that you know right. I can't imagine what that must be like for kids that grow up <clears> in a household like their parents make them feel that way over something as trivial trivial as like a math test you know yeah and so I feel for kids that go through 
um, situations like that personally because my parents were just never like that. I was very, very lucky. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I don't think my parents really pushed. They, they definitely didn't push me into anything that I didn't want to do. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as grades, I mean, they instilled, like you said, it was it was one of those just do your best, and if you know that you did your best, and it still wasn't what you wanted. I mean that's anything that's that's all anyone can ever ask of somebody is to just try their best. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they did use monetary encouragement for our report cards, like our quarterly report mm-hmm. cards. So right. if, if we if we brought home A's, you know we would get two dollars an A or something like that. Yeah, like an allowance. Yeah. increase kind of thing. Right. So I mean that yeah. did encourage us to you know, try a little harder. My parents gave us, so the school system in the UK is very different to the American school system. We don't do like the quarterly report cards and stuff. We do, they do give you like, they have like parents evening and like they'll give you like a report based on like behavior and stuff. But usually the grades that you achieve throughout high school in like the first few years are not really important. So they don't often tell you. I don't know how it works nowadays. But when I was a kid, we used to get a certain grade through the first three years of high school, so aged like 12 to whatever, like in the first three years, which was year seven, eight, and nine. And um, most of those grades, they were like cool, but they really only dictated where you were going to end up the next year. So like each year you'd do like a test and stuff, and it would it would sort of decide which class you were going to end up, like whether you're going to be in the top class or the lower class, you know, next year. Um. It doesn't until you start your GCSEs, which is in the last two years of school, which is what we like. It means general certificate of secondary education, and those are the qualifications that we get in the UK. Like when you finish high school, um, we don't have like GPA and stuff like that. Basically, your GCSEs are for two years, and the exam is at the end of the two years. We don't do it the whole like SATs every year. We don't do like sitting like formals every year. We don't do like all those exams every year like you guys do. That's all really strange to us. Most of your tests and exams that you'll do in the UK before the final year of school are just test exams to prepare you for the final year of school exams, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so because I didn't have report cards in the same way, my parents never like really did anything for those. They did give us a monetary reward for our actual final exam GCSEs and said they would give us so much money for like an A or B or a C, for example. But what you've got to realize, and this is something that I talk, talk about a lot with Americans, because a lot of Americans don't think this way. In the UK to us, a C is great. That's like fantastic. A B is like, wow, that's even better. And then an A is like phenomenal, right? Like, I I hear so many kids who don't want to go home and tell their parents in America that they have a C because they're like, I didn't get a B or an A. And I'm like, you guys care a lot more about those things than we do. We don't care a lot. When In order to move forward to get a job in the UK, most employers will ask for you to have the gold standard of your GCSE, which means five GCSEs that are at least a C grade or above, including maths and English. So maths and English is one of the, is like one each. So that's two and then three others also a C grade, which is very achievable for most kids. And I think that makes being a kid in high school a lot easier. It makes you feel a lot less stressed, you know, yeah. and a lot less worried. Like I got, I did maths. Um, so your maths thing, we did, we do two exams in maths and two exams in 
English by default. You do like an English language and English literature, and then you do like a maths calculator paper and a maths non-calculator paper. And um, for maths, though, you only get one GCSE, but for English, because they're technically separate subjects, English literature, English language, you actually get two. Um, and science, you get two as well, because of the... You can get three if you want to have your sciences separated into, like, physics, biology, and chemistry. But in order to do that, you have to lose one of your optional, like, I guess you guys call them an elective. Yeah. You have to lose to lose one of them. We call them your options. Um, And so I didn't do that. So I just got two. So I got, like, a B in my core science, a C in my additional science. I got a C in English language, a B in English literature, a C in maths. Um, I got a C, I think, in product design. I did a, one of my cho- options that I chose, one of my electives was a design technology course in product design, so like making things out of wood, basically. Um, and then I did French, which I got a D in. <laughs> and that's my own fault, because I was always tired and, not pay- and didn't pay attention, but also I was being bullied really heavily in the class, so I think that probably factored in. And I did ICT, I think, as well. And I got a B in that, too. I'm trying to think what else I did. I think that might be everything. can't remember how many options we had back then. Uh, geography. And I got a B in geography, too. I love geography. Um, so, so I'm going off on a tangent, but we don't have the same type of exams and stuff as you do and the same type of set- testing system. And we don't have the same kind of pressure in school as you do. And so kids don't feel as under pressure, I don't think. As, as Americans at school do. And also, don't forget, we leave high school at 16 instead of 18, too. Right. So, and there's no middle school. You literally stay in primary school till you're 11, then you go straight to high school, and then you finish high school at 16. So it's, like, nice and straightforward, not, like, stressful, not very high pressure. It can be high pressure if your parents put a lot of pressure on you, but most parents who've done GCSEs know that there's not really much point in putting so much pressure on you. Because the thing is, is... When you turn 16 in the UK, we then go to what we call college, which isn't university. They're separate, they're different things. College here is like something you do when you're age 16 to 18. And it's sort of like additional stuff. You do have to be in education until you're 18, but not high school. Like we finished high school at 16. So what you can do, for example, is you can go and do like an apprenticeship. So if you want to be like an engineer or say a mechanic, you go do an apprenticeship where you learn on the job. You know, that counts. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to go to school for one day a week and the rest of them you can do like a practical um, I actually did one year in actual college in like what we call what we call college is not the same as you. I hated it, so I dropped out and did my two years over again. So I stayed till I was nineteen, but I did my training actually in a school. So I just immediately trained on the job to teach um, instead of going through like the academic route because there are other routes that you can go down. So my job was literally we call it a traineeship, which means that it was unpaid when I got it when I did it, but it meant that my education was free still, and so I. Um, spent two years training on the job and just worked the whole time and then had to do some like theory stuff like answering questions and multiple choice stuff and doing some write like paragraphs and stuff and like a dissertation at the end but um, it's so much less stressful so like when you do your A-levels as soon as you've done your A-levels which is what we do at age 16 to 18 or any kind of other qualification at that time as soon as you've got those no one cares that you've got your GCSEs anymore they're literally just a ticket into whatever you want to do next. As soon as you have a degree, no one cares what you've got in your A-levels, for example, or on your GCSEs. So parents sometimes pressure kids, I think, with, like, grades in high school. But the second you go on to the next thing, no one cares what you got anymore. And you can still get into, in the UK especially, you can still get into college and university and stuff without having good GCSEs. There are plenty of options. Uh, like, in the UK, 
unlike America, all of our degrees are like standardized. So all degrees are three years long, um, apart from medical degrees and things like that. Um, so if I wanted to go do a degree in English, maths, psychology, whatever, it's going to be three years long. But if you have lower grades, you can do something called a foundation degree, which makes it four years long and you have a year first that like eases you in, like an introductory year, if that makes okay, sense. Okay, yeah. If you don't have the grades for it, but you're never going to be doing a degree for longer than that. And one thing that I find so wild about America, by the way, this is like so wild. All your degree classes, when you do a degree in the UK, are relevant to what you're doing. In America, you do so many like extra credit things that you have to do. Like I have a friend who was doing like seismology or something like, you know, learning about earthquakes who had like a psychology class as part of his degree classes and like a history class. Like, yeah. you know, completely irrelevant things to the degree you're doing that don't really make much sense. And to me, I find very confusing because they're just so, totally irrelevant to what you're actually doing. That doesn't really happen here. Like, you do exactly the classes that are relevant to your degree. And it tells you all the classes before you sign up so you know exactly what you're going to be doing. But they're all relevant to the degree that you're doing. You're not just, like, randomly going to, like, take an English degree and then put in a math class, you know? Yeah, but what if you find an earthquake that has anxiety problems? That psychology degree will come in handy. You don't get a degree in psychology, <laughs> though. It's just extra credits. Oh, well, all right. Like, if you do that, they're just extra <clears throat> credits for you. I think the reason you do it is to help kids in college to get better grades because they get those extra credits. But, like, I don't know if it really helps them to stress them out with a subject that they didn't even choose in the first place. Yeah. And, uh, to me, it just seems a bit strange personally but that's just yeah. my opinion of course well we've talked a lot about schools and you know can you tell i used to work in one i mean yeah uh what was your school life like when you absolutely went to horrendous absolutely horrendous what was a transgender teen's life like at school who can't come out because the school was too conservative absolutely horrible I, I hated school. I was bullied from the moment I started school until the moment I left. I was miserable. My family was always worried about me all the time. My mum hated sending me. I cried when I had to leave the house every morning before going to the bus stop, like, literally every single day. I was, like, bullied mercilessly at school. Like, people were horrible to me. Like, on the school bus, for example, I will um I'll delete the bad words, but um, when I was in year seven, which is the first year of high school, so I was 11 years old, I once told a girl in my class that I had a crush on her. And so the people on my school bus who were mean to me found out about that. And I hope none of them ever listened to this because obviously I pretended that I thought it was funny, which I obviously didn't. I'd hope that as adults, if they look back, if they're reasonable adults, they'll realize how horrible they actually were to do this to me. But they made up a song, which basically was my birth name, followed by Fancies, which is what people say when you have a, like attractive people yeah. in the UK, we say like, fancies them, the person's name, and wants to F them up the rear end, yeah. like lots of words. And they would sing that on repeat to me almost every single day for my entire high school life on the bus to school and the bus home. Jeez. I literally did not get away from that for five years of my life. So that was how I got to start every day of school and how I got to finish every day of school. And, um, that was like not even the worst thing like people used to do all sorts like one time i remember i was on the bus and somebody threw a um somebody threw a half full bottle of like an energy drink so like just imagine like your standard like you know grab a bottle of drink from a grocery store and take it with you to school right. or whatever 
uh, standard lighting. Somebody took a half full bottle of drink and threw it at my head. But the way they threw it, all the water, all the liquid went to the end where the lid was. And so the plastic lid with the force of the liquid inside just smacked me straight in the side of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I obviously cried because it hurt a lot. And then everyone just laughed at me. And I just remember just sitting there and thinking, I just hit everything. Like, I just hated school. I was miserable the entire time. I, that was on the, that was just a bus, right? So already, I, that's how my days started every day. You know when people say, like, the start of your day is important, like, how your day starts is how it goes yeah. on. And, like, kids need to have, like, breakfast and a good home life and stuff like that. My home life was fine. I had my breakfast. But I'd get on that bus and I would have no motivation and no happiness, no, like, positivity whatsoever going to school because that was how my day started every single day and I was absolutely utterly miserable and then I went to school to only just end up being bullied more by other people because I was obviously different as a kid I was quiet I was reserved people called me gay all the time because obviously I was you know different not gay but nobody knew why I didn't obviously fully know myself yet why I was a bit different but um yeah people were just horrible to me at school called me names all the time like threw me into walls tripped me up in the corridor you know i was just geeky and overweight and quiet and people just didn't like that because they don't like anyone that's different to them and so they were just horrible to me like i can't even sugarcoat it like my high school years were horrible i hated every single second of it i just absolutely despised it the entire thing was horrible i had terrible anxiety my whole life um that i was there and I think it set me up to fail as an adult with really bad anxiety and tons of trauma and just so many things to deal with that were just yeah. horrible. Um, going to high school for me when I was a kid was my like personal hell. It was absolutely like school was my worst nightmare. Every single night before, before like I went to bed, every single holiday coming to an end, like all of those things were just like wrought with anxiety and panic attacks for me as a kid and I just was miserable just completely utterly miserable um and like I would love to be able to be like oh yeah I mean it's school it's you know it's fine but like I can't even like pretend I can't even like lie it was just horrendous it was awful and when people say to me things like oh I'd give anything to go back to school and get to do it all over again I'm like are you freaking crazy mm. are you like lunatic or something what is wrong with you i would never i would never go back to school if someone said to me i wish i go back you can go back to school right now but you know everything you know now i'd still say no thank you i'm good i don't and i don't care how young i get to be again i don't care what happens in my life i do not want to go back i will never go back i would literally never ever you know people are like well what if you got to go back but you like knew what you knew now and so you'd be able to take control of the situation i would still never go back ever high school is horrible I hated it. Excuse me, I've got hiccups. Um, <clears throat> my worst nightmare. Truly, it was awful. I just, I don't really have any positive memories of being a teenager. I just was miserable, just utterly. Because school is such a huge part of your life. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. Even if you're at home, life's okay. Like, if school's really horrible, you're gonna be utterly miserable because that, like, school is like a huge part of, of your life, of you daily, every single day. And I was just absolutely just miserable. I was so unhappy. I can't even like fully remember or like perceive how unhappy I was because I don't remember how I like how to feel that sad you know what I mean yeah like I get sad and I get depressed because obviously you don't just get rid of depression like I get I am down sometimes but I don't think I'm ever as down as I was when I was like 15 16 it was just horrible I absolutely hated every single second of it why how was school with you um I don't know it 
school for me was okay, I guess. I was that guy that I knew and I I had friends in all the different cliques throughout school. So, like, I'd have a friend that was a jock. I'd have a friend that was a stoner. I'd have a friend that was the, you know, nerd. I was usually... Ah, the the American cliques. Yeah, you know, um... But, like, it was one of those things where it's, like, everybody knew who I was and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I think I think you and I would have been good friends in school, honestly, because I tended to stand up to bullies for other right. people. My mom was like that, by the way, fun fact. My mom was bullied in the first two years of high school, and when she moved house and moved school, she refused to let that happen again in the next one. So she became, like, you know, very tough and, like, refused to let people bully her and stuff. And then she ended up sticking up for other people being bullied. Most of my mom's fights that she got into at school, because she was she was not a good, well-behaved child. Um, most of the fights that she got into at school were on behalf of other people who were being bullied. Like, not even in anything to do with her. Um, I feel like you and my mom would probably get along. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how me and Ross, you know, became really good friends, was he was being bullied on his first day of school. He had moved to our town, and uh, it was on our bus ride home because his mom drove him to school that day, but then he was supposed to take the bus so that way he could figure out what bus he needed to take for the bus route and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he was bullied constantly back when we were in school, and I just remember being sat I, – like, I sat in the very back of the bus. Yeah. Uh, and mainly because no one was going to tell me otherwise. Uh, mm-hmm. And when Ross got on the bus, he would go to, you know, he it was one of those really sad, like, movie moments almost. Where it's like he would go to somebody who has an empty seat next to them, and they'd yeah. put their bag there. Or then he'd move to the next seat, they'd put a coat there. I hate kids. Yeah. Uh, so, like, halfway down the aisle, I just kind of waved him to come sit with me in the back of the bus. And, you know, nobody liked it, but that's where we sat the rest of the year. And we became best friends since fifth grade. Wow. So, How old are you in fifth grade? Oh, jeez. I don't know. Uh, 11? Webby math time, guys. We needed, like, a musical segment every time you have to do math. Yeah, like 11, maybe 12-ish, something like that. Right, okay. So it's like about when you start high school in the UK then. That's how yeah. old you are when you start high school here. Because you start high school later, don't you? Yeah, we're uh, usually 14, 15 or so. I, you That's because you have middle school, right? Yeah. Yeah. We don't do that. We just stay in primary school until high school and then go straight into high school. No yeah. middle school. Um. So you explained your distaste for uh, school growing up. But did you know have... how I went into being a teacher? Well, I mean, it's sometimes it's like it's it's one of those things where you want to make a positive difference in in yeah, other people's lives. You know? When I was growing up, people used to say to you, like, people ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what do you want to do for your job? My answer was always the same. My mom said, even when I was a kid, when I was really, really young, you know, when even when like you're really young and kids are saying like astronaut or football or soccer player, you know, like all the ridiculously they could do it if they wanted to but you know like the really high level achievement things yeah like the president or like obviously here the prime minister like i never ever ever had like a 
silly dream job or anything like that. My mom said, like, my entire life I said I was going to be a teacher. My whole life. Yeah, I never had one of those, like, wanting what to be you an want astronaut. To be? I had, yeah, it's, it's sappy, I don't want to say. Go on. <laughs> For as long as I can remember, I, I've, like, I remember always telling the teachers when we had those conversations that I just wanted to be a husband and a father. That's all I wanted in life. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. I mean, know. when I was a kid, when I was starting to grow up, I started to tell people that I wanted to be a mom, like a mom to, to children. And I think that was the first time people started to realize there might be something going on there. <laughs> yeah. Because I never said like dad ever. Never said parent. I always said mom. Always. Yeah. So I think, you know, my parents probably started to think, huh, that's, you know, maybe there's something going on there. Because my, my mom, even though at first she like didn't really like accept it, she says now that she looks back like properly, she does remember that like there was very obvious signs. It's just like you just don't really assume, do you, that like, your child's trans? They just assumed right. I was gay instead. But um, I like I get that. I hundred percent get that. That's really nice though. I um always wanted to be a teacher. I, I wouldn't now that I've been one because I've seen what they get paid and how bad the response, how much like they expect from them. And it's not ideal. If I had to go back into work now, like if I couldn't be a YouTuber anymore and I had to go back to work, I would probably become like a social worker or do um like gender therapist or something like that. Um, I'd quite like to be able to provide more trans people the option to see a trans person when it comes to like gender therapy. Because like throughout my entire gender journey with transitioning and stuff every single psychiatrist every single doctor every single nurse all of them that i saw not a single one of them was trans non-binary or whatever so like while obviously i'm grateful that they took the time out of their lives because they wanted to make my life better so they went you know all people other trans people's lives better so they trained in gender services and stuff like that that's great but i do think it'd be cool to be actually able to actually see a trans person you know and because right. they understand they know what yeah, they know what you're going through. They know yeah. what it's like. There's a difference between studying stuff and getting remarkable grades, and then living through an experience. Yeah, like life experience can't be replaced. You know, right. like this is what I think about jobs all the time. I'm always like, kids can't I find it hard to get jobs these days without like exceptional academia. But like, the thing is, is, is you have all this exceptional academia, and then most places say to you that they won't hire you because you haven't got um like experience in it experience is not replaceable with academia no matter how good your grade is you can never replace actually living through something or actually doing a job or actually being on like in, involved in something because no one who isn't trans will ever know what it's like to have or be inside of the head of a trans person and know what we feel you know right so while it's great that they've learned all about it and took that time to do that and make a difference to people's lives and i'm obviously very grateful for them because they made a difference to mine it would have made my life a lot better especially early on if i had been able to see a trans person right so i'd probably go into something like that if i had to go and get a job now or alternatively i'd become a driving instructor because i really like driving I enjoy driving <laughs> or a driving examiner. I'd love to like do the actual exam, you know, like the actual test that people come on the driving test and be yep. like, you fail. <laughs> no, I'd probably be really nice. Uh, not the American driving test though, because then you basically don't have a job. You can go to sleep and you'll still pass. So, I mean, yeah, I guess fair. I saw one of my They'll friends. They'll give anybody American. a license now. Although they gave Rob a real hard time getting his license. Well, 
I saw my friend tweet who lives in California and he was like, is there, is there permit test hard? And somebody replied, like literally all the replies were like, no, 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 no. It's really not hard. No, no. One of them replied and was just like, you need to be able to drive forward, drive back, do a little bit of reversing and show me you can turn around corners and you're fine. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? Yeah. I actually took your written test, not yours specifically, but one of the American states. I took the written test just for funsies, having done no research, no like practice and passed it like very easily. And then I got my American friends, who were all past drivers, by the way, to do the British written test, and they all failed. I think that's so, something you and I should do. You should take the New Hampshire one, and I'll take whatever British one. We should do it. All that's right. Something, yeah, we'll do it. Because um, we are notoriously strict. For, for, if you want to know the statistics, I actually know the statistics. Um, I can't speak. Can you hear the way I just said statistics? Um. 33% of people who take a driving test in the UK pass. Wow. So it's very low. Uh, we are like something like the fifth strictest in the world or something on our driving test because, you know, they would want them to be safe on the roads. Yeah. Also, you can't start learning, to, you, you can't get your learner's permit. We don't have to take a test to do your permit here, but you can't drive with unless you have a passed driver with you in the passenger seat, who has been driving for a minimum of three years past. Like, yep. I can't, I haven't been driving for three years yet, so I can't, like, teach somebody else. I have to wait until I've been driving for three years. Um, and also, you, there's no requirement in my country to have, like, specific driving lessons from a driving instructor, but you're probably not going to pass about them. So, um, I actually had somewhere, like, I want to say 40 to 50 hours of driving lessons with a driving instructor before I took my test. See, I was pretty normal for us. I, I was lucky because when I went into high school, my science teacher was also a driver's ed teacher. Uh, like Worth a, noting we don't have driver's ed because we're not old enough in high school to drive yet. Oh, that's fair. Um, but he he was like a, a driver's ed teacher for the town that I live in, not the not the school. Right. So I got into having driver's ed with him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing with like over here, and I, it might be different now, but at least back when, you know, when I got my license, like if I took driver's ed and then my friend chose not to when we went to go take our driving exams and we both passed and both got our licenses, my insurance would be cheaper Cheaper. because yeah. I took driver's ed. It's, uh, I can't speak for your state, but somebody I know in a different state, their insurance is cheaper because they took driver dead. Yeah. So I would say that it probably is. Uh, it doesn't work like that in this country. But um, we can do something called Pass Plus, which is after you've passed. It's a test where they specifically test you. They, te- they basically do six hours on top of you after already passing. And they take you on like the motorways and teach you like all weather driving, you know, like driving in the rain, <clears> driving in and stuff obviously some of it has to be theory because they can't force the weather to be bad right um but like if you do that some insurance providers may give you a discount they used to all quite often give you one but they've kind of stopped doing it lately because it's not really proven that it can like make you a safer driver a lot of people just do pass plus now so they can get a bit of confidence i was gonna do it because obviously when you pass in the uk usually you haven't driven on a motorway because you're not allowed to drive on the motorway unless you are in 
when you're learning unless you are in a driving instructor's approved car with dual controls, you know, so that they can take over on their on their side. Mm-hmm. It's like they have extra pedals and stuff fitted, don't they, so they can take over. Yeah. Um, I was unless you're learning to drive in their car, you're not allowed to go on the motorway. And I was learning to drive in my own car because for those who don't know, the UK is like ninety five percent manual cars, and I hate driving a manual car and I gave up when I was 18 and learning to drive I just gave up because I just couldn't do it I was just too stressed all the time um and so when I was 22 I bought myself my own automatic car my family was so against me buying an automatic car though so I purposely bought an electric one because I knew but they didn't know that all electric cars are automatic um and that way they wouldn't be able to complain at me I'll just because I could just say well I got it because it's electric it's the future my country's gonna have to get uh, the hang of the fact that we're all gonna drive automatics eventually because all electric cars are automatic so they're gonna have to get over it I don't know why why it's a thing in this country people complain about it I love driving an automatic car it's so much easier life is just easier in general I don't know why people are so bothered by it like if the people who like you know, like you get those people that like really love to drive and like they feel like they get to like feel more sporty in their manual cars. If they put their manual car up against my electric car, there is no way in hell that they would manage to keep up with me in my car because I don't have to change gears, so I can speed up immediately, and it takes them ages to like you know change gear and build their speed up and stuff. My car goes zero to sixty in three seconds. You know, like their manual cars are not keeping up with that. I mean, naturally, my car is a Tesla, and they are like you know like the fastest cars in the world right now, but. Regardless of the fact, most electric cars speed up really fast. And, like they can't use the argument that they like don't feel sporty enough or fast enough or punchy enough. I don't know why in this country there's just got this obsession with manual cars, but as a result of it, there's so few automatic cars in the country that automatic cars cost more. And because the government feels that they do, that you're less basically in this country for some reason, the government says that if you pass in an automatic car, which I did, you are not allowed to then drive a manual car, which makes sense because you don't know how to drive one, right? Because right. technically speaking, I didn't learn the manual, so there's a good chance I don't know how to drive a manual car. So the government says, nope, all you can drive is automatics. Don't care, never going to own a manual. The thing I do care about is my insurance costs more, like quite a bit more, because I have an automatic car and not a manual car. Because in this country, because of their obsession with manual cars, just to be clear, it's not because I have an automatic car, but because I have an automatic license. Right. If I passed in a manual car, and then bought the same automatic car, the insurance would be less, even though I'm driving the same car. Because, for some strange reason in my country, they say that you don't know how to drive as well if you're driving in an automatic, if you've passed in an automatic, because you don't know how to fully control a car like you do when you drive a manual. Which is so stupid, in my opinion. You're driving a car. Either way, it's a death machine on wheels and you need to be careful, you know? Yeah. Whether you've got a manual transmission or not, I think it's silly to to, to make people... Yeah, I think 100% right that you shouldn't be allowed to drive a manual if you pass an automatic. But I don't think your insurance should be more. I don't think it makes you less of an experienced driver. Yeah. I mean, not everybody in America is inexperienced. But as a fun fact, 95% of the cars in the UK are manual. If you come visit the UK, we have a deal with America that you're allowed to drive for 12 months before you have to apply for a driving license here or take our test. But guess what? You're only allowed to drive automatics. Even if you drive a manual in your daily life right now, you are not allowed to drive one here because they know in the UK that the American government doesn't have any such restrictions on the difference between automatic and manual cars, and they know that it's easy to pass your test, so they won't let you drive a manual car here. Um, you could drive an automatic. So if you came here and rented a car, you'd have to pay more and rent an automatic one. Um, yeah. 
Same thing as this is this that I find this hilarious. John, obviously, you know, as somebody who has a visa to live in the UK if he wants to because of his ancestry, he drives a manual car in Canada. Did you know that? I did not. John specifically goes out of his way every single time he gets a car to buy the manual transmission version, which in his country is more expensive. Um, apparently, I think that's what he said anyway. And I don't know why. In my country, obviously, automatics are more expensive. Um, I don't know about America because I'm assuming it's a lot. I think if you've got two brand new cars that came out, the automatic version of the car is probably going to cost more. But I mean, I, but statistically speaking, automatic cars cost more in the UK because there's less of them, right? So it's harder to get them. And therefore, you're going to be paying a higher premium because there's not going to be as many like lower cost order ones, if that makes sense. Right. So John specifically goes out of his way each time. I believe, if I remember correctly, as it currently stands, him and his wife have the exact same car, but she has the automatic version and he has the manual version because he just doesn't like automatic cars. He likes manual cars, which is fine. You know, whatever makes you happy. Even though he drives a manual car every single day and has for years, if he comes to the UK, he's not allowed to drive one unless he takes our test in a manual car first. <laughs> because your American and Canadian licenses, we are aware that most of you drive automatics and so we won't let you drive a manual car here. Interesting. So, yeah. I don't know how we got onto this, but fun fact. Um, I honestly don't know how we got onto this either. But yeah, we don't have driver's well, ed because you can't drive to be 17. You've already finished high school by then. Yeah. Uh, hobby. Did I ask you about any hobbies you had? Growing up or Growing now? up, yeah. Hmm. I used to go to swimming lessons, which I loved. I loved learning to swim. Um, but when I was about 14, people started being particularly mean about my body size and stuff at school. And so I ended up quitting and dropping out of them because I was just so miserable about like the things people were saying about me. Um, so I ended up dropping out of those. Uh, I guess my hobbies, my personal, like, this is like a hot take. My personal escape was... When I was a kid, my nana bought her, her first computer, which is other than like some really old like Windows like ninety five crap that we had at school. It was my first experience of a computer. It was a Windows XP machine, and this was would have been like early two thousands. And she taught me how to like email, and she let me email back and forth with one of her friends from work, just so that I could learn how to use email, just like one of her colleagues. It was really nice, um, and I was fascinated by it, like the computer and the thing as a whole. She didn't have like she only had like you know dial up internet and stuff right but i was just so fascinated by like this machine this huge machine i might add um by then we started to get to, like the flatter monitors but they were square you know like yeah. not big fat ones but they were square by then the color monitors but there was windows xp so it was old and you know it probably had like 512 gigabytes of ram or something and we were we were i was learning how to use it and i was just fascinated by it i loved it so much so that she bought my family a, for Christmas, a Windows Vista computer, because Windows Vista was brand new then um, for Christmas, and agreed to pay for our internet bill for a year, because my mum was like, I'm not getting internet, what is, why do I need that, you know, when we when it like was a thing, right. and I was in a low income <clears throat> family, so my parents were not going to have unneeded or unnecessary expenses anyway, so I must have been like 11 years old and I just taught myself how to use everything on it, I just loved it, like that was my like escape from the world i used to sit in the corner of my living room i taught myself how to make videos i used to make like loads of videos using windows live movie maker or whatever you, whatever it used to be called um 
you know, like the basic like movie maker thing that Windows used to have. And I taught myself how to make like lyric videos where I edit the lyrics over the top and like just how to edit on it. Obviously, really basic stuff. But I've literally been like video editing and making like content on a computer since I was like 11 years old. So like it's been a thing from in my life that I've had for a really long time. And I was teaching myself how to use it and stuff. And, and I started to play a game online called Roblox. <laughs> Funnily enough, ended up being my job. <laughs> but I was like, my first Roblox account was made in 2009. So I was actually 10, not 11. I was 10. Um, I still have that. I can't access it anymore, but I know the account's username and can see it still. I just don't remember the password. I remember the password I set when I first had it, but I don't remember the password now. But um, yeah, so I like I played Roblox. We used MSN with my friends, like messaged them at school, you know school friends and stuff. And I just taught myself to use the whole computer, and I loved it. And it was my like my biggest hobby was learning how to use that computer. And I became super, super interested in computers. After the year of internet that my nano agreed to pay for for our Christmas present ended, my mom decided not to keep it because no one else except for me used it. And I was so sad because like none of them understood that what the internet was going to become. You know, they just felt like it was an unnecessary thing that we just didn't need in the house. Right. And so they didn't keep it. But then when I was 13, um, my mom bought me an iPod touch for Christmas because I really I wanted one so bad for years and she bought me one and I used to go across the street to my neighbor's house who was who I was friends with in high school and um sit in the bush outside his house to connect to his wi-fi so that I could download <laughs> YouTube videos onto my iPod because back then there was like an, a built-in YouTube app and you could download videos to watch later and um I used to go sit in the bush in his garden so he didn't know I was using his wi-fi and download um YouTube videos and stuff and apps and games Eventually, I managed to convince my mom into getting internet at home again when it was starting to become a thing that everybody was using, if that makes sense. Yep. And so she got it when I was just about to turn 14, I think. And it was just like a whole different world. But I lived really rural, so the internet was really slow, but I just didn't care. I was just so thrilled to even have it. Um, And I just started gaming a lot, playing on consoles and stuff like that, made a lot of online friends. Sometimes I feel like that's sh- it's, I feel like it shaped who I am, but sometimes I do wish I'd have had more of a real present life that was less online growing up as a yeah. teenager. Because being online in the early era of the internet was like very much parents had no idea what you were doing, so they just left it unmonitored. They didn't yeah. really care. And I saw some things that I wish I never saw as a teenager. Because, like, like I said, unmonitored access to the internet. You know, I could do whatever I wanted, look up whatever I wanted, speak to whoever I wanted. And my parents are much stricter with like my siblings now, but like back then they didn't know. You know, it was like it was brand new. They didn't know how to monitor or how to be stricter. They didn't know that they needed to. You right. know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think social media back then, I just got just brought down so much by social media when I was a teenager by just nasty things that I would read or people being nasty in general. And I just, I do wish that I didn't grow up in that era sometimes of social media. Cause like from being a, literally from being like 13 onwards and my whole life became absorbed in the internet and being online. And um, I think in many ways, there's a lot of negative that came from that. Of course, it ended up shaping who I am now. And so I wouldn't go back and change it. But I do, I just do wish that there was more, more known about yeah. the dangers of the internet back then. And when I was a kid and like, coming up to being like 16 people started talking a lot about parental controls and the dangers of the internet and i was like oh you know most kids are they're like no my mom's not gonna do that and if she did i'd be really mad and like stressed out because your mom's like 
how dare she protect you online? But now that I'm an adult, I'm like, I wish, I wish I had have had more protections put in place. My parents, I was their kid that they trusted. You know, like my sister was all getting in trouble at school, and my brother's done the same. I never got in trouble at school. I was so quiet. I was well behaved. So my parents have just always like trusted me with anything which they always just thought I would never do anything wrong. But obviously that just meant I just utilized that because they, I could do whatever I wanted and never get in trouble, you know? Yeah, that was pretty much me too. You know, mm-hmm. I the thing is, is f- for me being the youngest in the family, I watched everyone. I, I'm a people watcher. So I got to learn mm-hmm. from all of their mistakes. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, my mom and my dad, they both, you know, I, I was the one that could be trusted to do things you know i mm-hmm. i i stuck through school and i graduated even though you know a few of my siblings dropped out and but i was the kid that was trusted but shouldn't have been because i just did whatever i wanted and i think that that meant that there was a lot of negative things that i ended up seeing that i wish i didn't see as mm. a kid and also i exposed myself to like so much negativity online at such an early age I think that it really impacted my mental health and now I don't handle that negativity very well as an adult, particularly not as an adult who has like such a large following online. I find it really hard sometimes when people are being mean. Like I find it really hard not to respond and I find it really hard not to have it taken to heart. And I think that that's probably because I was literally like that from the moment I was using the internet onwards, you know? So yeah, I think there's a lot of negatives, but there's also a lot of positives. So you know, it's not all bad, but I just wish that I had been monitored a bit more closely, I guess, when I was first using the internet. But yeah, that was my biggest hobby, learning to use my computer. I absolutely loved it. I loved using my computer. I loved learning new tech programs and stuff like that. I don't know why I didn't end up becoming a programmer. I think it was just simply because I didn't feel I was smart enough. Like, I wanted to work in tech, but I just never pursued it because I just didn't think I was smart enough for it. So I went more down like I'm on like an artistic route. I do. I don't know about other people, but I do consider what I do to be an artistic job. I do consider myself to be artistic. Um, you know, there are a lot of artistic-based parts to my job, like my thumbnails and the actual creation of the videos and how they look. I consider that to be an art, an art form of its own. You know. Yeah. I mean, content creation is an art form. You know. Yeah, my sister is my sister is a, like an actual proper like traditional artist. And digital artist, that's what she does. She's doing a degree right now in uh, digital design. So, like, that's her thing. She, I don't think, considers me an artist because she takes it in a very literal form. And if I think, if I said to her that I was an artist, I think she'd be quite offended. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 that was, like, my hobby, like, learning to use computers and stuff. And I think I probably would have gone into tech had I not been afraid of failing i guess that's fair because i was not kind to myself as a kid so i just went for like people were always like what do you want to do with this and i would always like anytime i had an opportunity to do anything that was like chosen myself i just always chose the easy way you know the whatever i knew i could i could do never challenging myself never the trying safest. stuff out my- yeah. And just, yeah i i said this to, to another friend the other day actually when talking about this i am the definition of average like, I am average in every way. I don't excel at anything. I just do a bunch of things moderately okay. There's not anything that I specifically excel at or that I'm better at anybody else at or that I'm really, really, really just ridiculously good at. I am just 
your perfect average citizen. I am just your average year, literally just <laughs> average in every kind of way. See, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I tell people about me sometimes is that I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. I feel that way about myself. I feel like I can do so many things, but none of them like exceptionally. Right. I can do most of them well, like okay enough to get it done, but I don't think I can do any of them exceptionally well. Right. I am just the definition of average. Now, going into what you do now for a job, I know we, we've already talked and you mentioned that you were a teacher. Did you have any other jobs throughout your life? No. You no. just went from school to being a teacher to doing what you do now? Well, I was a video editor before I was a YouTuber, but that's the only like a students through you know right not very like not very different i was very lucky i went straight into being a teacher my first job immediately i was being i mean the minimum wage at the time was like seven pound 30 i was being paid nine pound 50 an hour already like i didn't have to do like a minimum wage job or anything i literally went straight into it um i was very lucky i never went to retail i've never went to shop i have a very limited knowledge of those type of roles because I've never had to do any of them. Uh, mm. Obviously, I did do a people related job, so obviously working in the school. But yeah, no, I never did any any of those things. I still did YouTube at the same time as being a teacher. Um, and then one day, I just I had a negative experience at work, and just my depression got really really bad, and I was just like, I just can't keep doing this job anymore. And so I left at Christmas, and then by the time it got to like February the next year, I was working as someone's editor because I needed the money, and um, I hated my job. I thought it was worse than being a teacher. <laughs> I hate having a boss. I've always known this. I hate having someone in charge of me. I'm not good at doing what I'm told, if that makes sense. Yeah. I like to do my own thing. I've always been this way my whole life. I, I mean, you should know I'm very bossy. I am. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend. I am very bossy. I like to be in control of my life and of the of things. Like if whenever I was if I'm ever given like a group project, I'm always like, I'll be in charge, I'll be the leader, do it, I'll do it. Which is surprising considering how reserved and anxious I was as a kid. Um but I've always preferred to like be in charge. And you know I think back and I've talked to my therapist a bit about this too. I think that that comes from having a childhood where I felt very much out of control of my life. Like, as a teenager at school, especially with, like, how mean people were, I felt like I was never in control of my life. Mm. And I think that's why I like to be in charge now as an adult, because I felt for most of my life that I was not in control. And um, there were things, like, obviously, my my family life was was good. I was very lucky. But there were still negatives, you know, like anybody's. And a lot of the negatives involved me feeling like I just couldn't control them. Like I, I was out of control and everything in every possible way. And also I think depression makes you feel that way too. Yeah. Like you're out of control of your life. And I felt like I was just like just living because I had to. And so I think um, that's why as an adult, I've become an adult that likes to be in charge, that likes being bossy because it's the only way I feel in control. If that makes sense. Right. Um. So what was that? Why did I say? Why are we talking so, about being bossy? So what, what was now you're your own boss. Oh yeah, so now I'm my own boss. Yeah, nobody tells what to do. So and that's how I like it. What is it exactly that you do now? So I make uh, YouTube videos primarily for game cover or high on Roblox, which is uh, like a princessy dress up game, but it has like training and it's it's a lot. It sounds like a like a not very exciting when you describe it like that, but. 
Um, the game creator themselves describe it as an ever-growing dream world. And that's really what it is. It's like a dreamy world where you can just do all sorts of things. It's mainly meant for like role-playing, but I really enjoy it. Obviously, kids like the game in general. And mainly, there's a gap in the market in that the devs often share like the new news regarding new updates coming to the game, much like most Roblox games, on um, Twitter or on Twitch and places like that. Usually places that kids don't have accounts, like aren't allowed them because the parents don't want them to have them or whatever. And so basically when there's new updates or new information that comes out, I record it, tell them all about it, give them all the information and then put it to my YouTube channel and it just sort of worked. There's news channels for, like, every game in existence, not just Roblox games. I'm sure you know. Like, if you yeah. want to watch, like, a, a Minecraft update, what would you do? Go find a Minecraft news channel. If you want to find out what's coming to insert game here, you're going to go find the relative YouTube channels that make news content for that game. It's basically what I do, but for Royal High on Roblox. And a lot of people are like, wait, so you... People say to me all, all the time, wait, you don't make just news videos for all of Roblox? Doesn't that isn't that like not very relevant because it's only one game out of the whole thing? I'm like, girl, you have no idea how big Roblox is. Like, Royal High is like the fifth most played game, I think, or somewhere close to that on like or the most fifth most popular game on Roblox, and that comes with like a player base of a a daily player base of between fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand players a day, depending on like active at any given time. By the way, not like that. I don't mean one hundred and fifty thousand people joining a day and that's it like right. i mean active in time so obviously people will leave it other people will join i don't know how many individual unique joins they have a day but there's usually like between 50 to 150,000 people playing all the time so it's a lot of people that play the game it's got like i can tell you it has 8.5 billion visits which means someone has joined the game 8.5 billion times wow um so you know it's it's no small thing i mean put it into perspective the other content that i make blocksberg role plays are basically imagine like tv shows like telenovelas like really exaggerated dramas created in roblox and um, that are more child friendly than telenovelas and the that game blocksberg was made by one guy just one guy like in his bedroom made that game he just sold that game to a company, the same company that ho- that owns the company that makes the Tomb Raider games and things like that, mm-hmm. um, for $100 million. Wow. That's not a haul of Roblox. That's just one game on that Roblox platform that he has just sold for $100 million. That's, like, I think the biggest acquisition that Roblox, a Roblox game has ever had, but it's most certainly not the only one. I mean, there are games out there there was a like um there was a few things like f- lawsuits filed about roblox related games a few years ago because of copyright issues with music and so a lot of the games had their statistics published and like most games that get like 50,000 players playing every single day are making like a million dollars a month like on roblox so this what i'm game... hearing is we should create a game to put on roblox I mean, if you can think of a good enough idea to develop a game that gets popular, you can make huge amounts of money. Now, bearing in mind, a lot of these games are making a million dollars, but Roblox takes a pretty hefty cut for providing the platform for people to use. I think they think that Roblox takes like 70%. So if they're taking like a million dollars home each month, imagine how much it's actually making if Roblox is taking 70%. 
Right. Like, we are talking huge money. I mean, put it this way, Royal High for September did an event where they made an item of clothing set in-game, like, where basically it was, like, shoes, a dress, and, like, some accessories that go along with it, and they sold it for Robux, which is the game currency, instead of, like, the actual Robux currency that you have to buy with real money, instead of um, the in-game currency that you can earn. Um, because they donated all of the proceeds to charity to because it was Cancer Awareness Month, and they raised just over one million dollars in thirty days, which means wow. that because Roblox keeps seventy percent, they actually raised three million dollars in like. But Roblox refused to give them. Any, they did actually ask, but Roblox wouldn't let them have any more of their cut, even though it was for charity. Wow. Roblox is a tourist over being greedy AF. So, but yeah, so like a million dollars raised for charity in 30 days that was donated to St. Jude. Um, so like you can imagine the money that these games make. They are huge. And then you've got all the YouTubers that are making like huge amounts of money too. Like I know multiple YouTubers who are making like 150k a month. I am not that lucky. <laughs> but you never know one day. Yeah. I'm lucky I'm lucky enough to get to do it as my job, but I have also I earn the most out of anyone in my extended family has ever earned. So I mean that's not like something huge to shout herb about because we are we are a very low income family, working class family background. But like for a non degree educated college dropout, because I did go to college for a year and dropped out. Um it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I had to work really hard to get there. I worked sixteen hours a day for two years, seven days a week that's, to be able to do that. No Sometimes wonder you're more. always tired. You're still I trying mean, to catch I, up from I several still, years ago. I mean, to be fair, I still work a lot now. To be fair, you know, I, I, I probably do more now than I did then. Yeah. Just, just I have an editor now, which helps. Um, I still work a lot, and I still work seven days a week. Now, you are part of Distractions Media. Ah, jeez, those guys, yeah. How did you become part of Distractions Media or associated with us to begin with? So I used to do, before Roblox, I was a Minecraft YouTuber with mild success. Um, And I used to play something called UHC, which is ultra hardcore. Uh, I assume most people will know what that means. I assume you do. Nope. You played them before? You did DMUHC? Yeah, I've... I don't. I didn't know what it stood for. It means ultra hardcore. So basically, like it means that you don't regenerate health naturally. You have to eat like golden apples or regenerative potions to regen health. You gotta in a short space of time, usually an hour or two hours maximum, find and obtain like as opi as possible stuff to then fight a death match at the end. And I used to do that every single day for most of my videos, along with bed wars and other PvP related games in Minecraft. Anyways, I was invited to like UHC, which was a the biggest all female. Um, event for UHCs made uh, by Stacey Plays, which is also where I met most of my bigger YouTuber friends that were women. So they were all wonderful. And one day I needed help with setting up something in Extra Life. And John tweeted me and said, I can help you. He'd followed me, having seen me working a lot with the Oxcast, because he watched the Oxcast at the time, because I used to be <laughs> in the Oxcast back then. 
and he messaged me and said if you want i can show you how so i messaged him and he helped me and then i ignored every single message he sent me for like a year um so i didn't know him so i was ignoring him all the time <laughs> sorry john and then one day he messaged me asking me about how to set up uhc's because he was doing an event a, a uhc event at the end of a charity live stream which turned out to be one of your like I don't know if it was 24 hours back then or not, but I assume so. Yep. Um, live streams, and so I helped him because it was for I knew it was for charity and stuff. So even though like I didn't really know him, I still helped him. And then one day, a little while later, we we messaged back and forth occasionally, just like stuff to do with extra life or like UHCs. Um, mostly I ignored him because I was too nervous to talk to new people. And um, one day. I was tweeting because I'd seen that everybody was losing their minds over a new game that had come out called PUBG that everybody was losing their minds over. And I was thinking, I really want to play that game. But I had no friends um, to play it with. And so one day I tweeted and said that I'd really love to find someone to play it with. John replied and said that him and his friend Tamira were playing the game a lot together. Would I like to join in and, and play? I said yes. Uh, we set a date and time. I cancelled because I was too nervous. <laughs> and then he asked me if I'd like to reschedule. I said yes. And I don't know what possessed me that day, but I pushed myself to my like absolute limit and I did it. I don't know why I did it, but I did. And I joined in with his stream. And then I really enjoyed Birth Through Company and thought they were really nice people. So I wanted to play with them again. And so I did. And then I played with them again. And then I played with them again. And then we made it to a thing where we did it every single Sunday. And it became a regular thing. And then uh, we just kept playing and playing. And I started to meet more people, like weird people, like this guy called Werry. That was super weird. Yep. And then... um. Eventually, he said to me, well, you know, you, you're playing with us so much. Do you want to be in the group? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Because I'd let, I, at this point, I was still in the Yogscast, but I was actually by that point in the process of leaving the Yogscast. And I've always wanted to fit into a group and feel part of a group where I feel equal to them. And most groups I've been in, it's very obvious that they feel more highly about certain people in their network and uh, than others, and like their numbers are too are important and stuff. I wanted to be somewhere where people valued me as a person and not as a number, because right. back then I wasn't big, I wasn't successful, and I was sick of it that like people reminding me of that. I'd been in so many groups where I was reminded all the time that I didn't deserve a seat in the at the table or be even present in the room because I wasn't successful enough you know or that i didn't deserve this that and the other because i wasn't successful enough or didn't have big enough numbers i just wanted to be somewhere where the people that were in their festival they got it and they understood how that feels and they wanted everybody to feel equal regardless of how big or small anybody was you know yeah and then i guess Later on, I got lucky with the fact that I started making these YouTube videos that I make now. People always say, oh, you work hard, though, so it's not luck, but I still feel it's luck, and I'll tell you why. Not everybody gets to have the opportunities I have had. Not everybody gets to have a computer at home, or internet at home, or supportive parents, or supportive friends, or the things that I've had that have led to me being able to do this job. So while, yes, I might have put hard work into that, I still feel lucky because I'm still privileged. There are lots of things that I got, lots of opportunities that I had leading up to this that allowed me to be able to put that work in, you know? Yeah. So I'm still very lucky and very privileged and very grateful for that. And I have to say that despite 
I I joined Distractions Media back then wanting to not be treated differently because I didn't have very big numbers. And now being in a different position where my numbers are larger, I still don't feel that I'm treated any differently. I never thought that was something I would care about. I never thought I would be in this position. But now that I am, nobody ever makes me feel like they don't want to be friends with me because of my numbers. They never make me feel uncomfortable. They never make me feel unhappy. But yeah, all these people that are non-distracting people, to be clear, that I that I used to want to work with years ago suddenly start answering my dms and replying to me and messaging me and stuff you know people who never bothered with me for years suddenly they're all interested in working with me or bothering with me and i don't let them because i think you know what you didn't care at all when i wasn't a big youtuber and now that i am suddenly you care about me and you're interested whereas like distractions media these people in this group never never bothered them how many numbers i had or didn't have I was always invited. I was always involved. I was always allowed to join in, you know? Right. And I think that's, in addition to the fact that I like all the people and they're all really nice, that's one of the biggest reasons that I was like, this was the right decision. I don't, I want to stay here. So, you know. It, it is crazy to think too, like, <clears throat> whether it be success or, like, I've always said, like, if I ever hit the lottery, you know, um, I know that there's going to be some people from my past that I just do not talk with anymore. Like we've just stopped talking for years for whatever reason who are going to find yeah. out and they'll come, they'll all come out of the woodwork. You know, yeah, all of a sudden be like, I'll be everybody's you know best we friend together. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I gave you that pencil. So it's just, it's, I don't know. People, you know, people, always try and take advantage of other people that's the biggest problem yeah um and see my big thing is if i ever if i ever got famous or if i ever did win the lottery or something the people that i would uh what's what's the right word uh uh support well yeah support and the people that i would like you know buy stuff for for no reason you know uh would be all the people who who have stuck by me through my ups and my downs you know because mm-hmm. those are the people where like i mean a lot of my friends have seen me at at really really low points in my life and if they're willing to stick with me through that you know they're they're lifelong friends this is how I feel about things too, and this is why, like, I always try and like promote like my streamer friends, like Rob and stuff like that, when we play together, and I want them to be successful, and I want to help them because, like, I know that they've been there for me, and I know that if like my career ended tomorrow, they would still be just as close to me as they are now, yeah. and it wouldn't make a difference. Whereas there are definitely people out there who they're interested in you right now, but the second you don't have the numbers anymore or your face doesn't fit anymore, they're not interested. Right. And I, I, I've had so many bad friendships over the years and bad experiences with friendships before joining Distractions Media that all I wanted was to find a group of people that just didn't make me regret giving them my time, you know? Well, on behalf of the people at SU, seeing as though I'm the only uh, SU representative like here... Office. I was like, you're in an office. Like, yeah. you know, uh, sitting in an office right now, and the computers are all turned on around him, but there's nobody there. That's right. And he just like runs between each desk to do his job. 
Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm real happy that you, you, you know, even through your depression and anxiety and stuff, I'm, I'm happy that you forced yourself to play PUBG with John. Of course you are. You wouldn't have got to draw my titties on that live stream if you didn't. Listen, it was, never gonna let you there was that a... town. for those who don't know, during the Christmas live stream or Halloween, whatever <laughs> one it was. Uh, we're playing Galactic Fern, and there was a point where Webby needed to draw me on Galactic Fern. And the first thing he did was draw a stick figure woman, and then immediately give her giant boobers, and then draw over the boobers with clothes. Now he says he needed to draw the boobers in the order shape. for him to get the shape. Yeah. But I say that they don't. If you're just getting the shape, they just need to be circles, not anatomically correct with nipples. I don't. Anyways, think I, I don't think I did that. Did I? I might have. I don't think I don't you did remember. nipples, but you definitely did the big circles. But you don't need to do big circles because that would mean there's lines on the inside that need to be covered up. You would just do bumps at the sides. Anyways, he is just making excuses for the fact that he didn't know that it shows you the entire drawing <laughs> process and not just the final image, and that everybody would get to see that he drew boobs on me first before well, finalizing. To it. be fair, it goes real fast, and you have to be paying pretty close attention to see the whole drawing process. We were all paying enough attention I, yeah. to see the boobers. Listen, hey, I don't know. And just f- admit final it. Question. You wanted to draw my boobs. Final question. <laughs> Just admit it. Just say it. Final you know question. Final question. Say it. Say it now. I, do it. Just no, admit final, it. Final question. I will answer the final question to you. Just do it. Just admit it. You want to draw my tits. Just tell, just sure. tell the truth. Yes. There you go. See everybody. He's a pervert. Go on. Looking <laughs> back now on your life. Yes. Do you have any regrets or things that you would change? You know, people always say you should have no regrets and you should just like go on with your life and look for, for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't do that. I, you are kidding me? I have so many regrets. I regret so many things. Like, so much. So many choices. So many things in my life. There's things that I can't talk about that I regret, but you know them. You, I know you mm-hmm. know. There's decisions that I would never have made. I like to think that, like, some people think and be like, they shaped me to who I am now. But, like, I think back and I'm like, the pain that they caused, was that worth it to shape to who I am now? I don't know. There's lots of things that I regret that I would like to change. And there's also small things, too. I am one of those people, by the way, fun facts, who runs through scenarios in my head after they've happened and stuff, and before, over and over and over and over again until it cripples me. So if I ever say something that I think someone might have been upset by, or if someone actually is upset by something I say, or even if I think they are, but maybe they aren't, I will run that round in my head. Over and over and over and over and over again until I absolutely cripple myself, even though they're probably forgotten. Right? I feel terrible if I upset people. I hate making people upset or angry with me. I hate making people feel disappointed in me. This is a big reason why I take hate comments to heart so much because I hate knowing that someone in the world doesn't like me. Even if I've never met them and never will, I still hate knowing that someone doesn't like me, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a ton of things that I regret in my life. Um, things I've said that I regret, things I've done that I regret, people I've met that I wish I never did. But um, I know I can't change them, but I do think if I could go back in time, I would. But then I do wonder and also worry about how my life would have ended up now. Because I don't always be worse than it is. If it meant that I could go back and change something and my life would be different in a positive way now, like I'd have more to share for my life, then I would do it. Because my life is a bit pathetic and I don't have much to share for it. <laughs> but 
Well, I mean, um, that's, that's the whole butterfly effect now. You know, you, you don't know what changing one event in your life... Yeah, and that's the problem, is that if I went... Now. Exactly, if I went back and changed it, I don't know if it would end up being positive or negative, and so maybe I wouldn't, but do I regret things? Heck yeah, I regret so many things. So, so many things. But... Um... It's not so much that I get over it, it's that I just learn to live with it, because you have to. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. So, uh, Alright, do you have any questions for me? I told you you could ask me whatever, and you've already put me on the spot a few times, but other than... On a scale otherwise... of 1 oh. to 10, how much do you like drawing my Ubers? Oh boy, okay, so we're at the hour and 24 minute mark, so we'll wrap up there. <laughs> the answer is 11, anyone that's listening. <laughs> Um, I can't count that high on my fingers. I didn't ask you to. Oh, I'm just saying. I said on a scale of one to ten. I didn't say on your fingers. Uh, all right. So, B, thank you for sitting down and allowing me to interview you. Yeah, it's fine. You need my PayPal. Uh, uh, or you just go to do it through check. Yeah, that we'll put the check in the mail. Who will the SU accountants? Yeah, yeah. We'll go through them fair. This is where when he runs over to the other desk, like I said, the one that's turned on for the accountancy stuff, and he sends him an email, and it says like from Linda, SU accountant, but really she doesn't exist. It's just Webby. I'll have Rob send a memo to the SU accountants because you know he'll procrastinate for a while. That's and but then don't forget as well. Where the SU accountants are located. First, it's got to be shipped. The like memo has got to be shipped from Rob. It's got to get to like Sweden, and then from Sweden, it's got to get on a boat, and then like head over to like the Atlantic. And, yeah, you know, like it's all the way over until it gets to like the Arctic Circle. You but know? the check is on its way. I'm sure. Yeah, should um, arrive approximately in 2027. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, B? They can just type B players on literally everything. Okay. Just Google me if you like. Most Google thing about me is whether I'm a boy or a gal, so you'll know it's me if found. Uh, do you have anything that you want to promote? Nope. No? Okay. My boobers. <laughs> Your boobers. Uh, I am actually having breast enlargement surgery soon, so I'm literally going to promote my boobers. There you go. To uh, I'm going to promote them to the next rank up, or several ranks up for that matter. <clears throat> Well, thank and you. Can draw those. Well, hey, well, not if it's going to get me in hot water again. They'll be more accurate to what he drew because the ones <laughs> he drew for me were way too big. So after I've had my surgery, then then they'll be more accurate. I'm just going to draw the clothes from now on. Just a little triangle body. Well, just that's it. That's the stick figure. Looking out like a triangle. Yeah. No, that's just how you draw stick figure women. Listen, I'm going to shut up now. Yeah, you're making it worse. Thank, thank you for for uh, joining me today on SU. And thank you out there, everybody who listens. You guys can follow me on Twitter at JaxForceWalker, all one word, on Twitch at DMWebby, which I'm sure B will be forcing me to stream sooner. I always wonder later. if you're going to change your Twitter to match everything else. But then, like, but then all the people that listen back are going to be like, what? The thing is, I, I feel like I tried and I couldn't do it. 
I can probably help you. Okay. But the best thing to do when you change your username, since you've said so many times over the years what it is, is to then make another account called Jack's Forest Walker and tell everybody in the buyer to go follow your new account. Oh. Fair. So once you change it, that username becomes available, so you can make another account with it. Gotcha. That no one else can have it. Uh, and we do not have a life advice with Devin or a science corner this week. I can give you a life advice. Sure. Done. Shit where you sleep. You just cussed. I thought we were uh, going to keep this child friendly. Well, it's right at the end. No one's listening this far. Not for my <laughs> audience. They're all kids that have an attention span to listen this far. Um, science Hello, corner. Science. Oh, I have a science corner. Oh, okay. You're gonna shit do where you sleep. Well, hmm. How's that science-y? It'll give you diseases. Okay, there we go. You made it sciencey. Uh, and until next time, everybody, FBG. I'll keep it child child friendly. FBG. Bye. Are you singing the outro as it I plays? always do. Every single. Am I talking song. over it? Yep. Bye. But the outro is always able to be talked over. I'm gonna talk over the intro. No. Yes. No, I won't let you. I'll start deafening you. Only during the intro. I think you mean seven muting, only I can yeah. deafen myself. Burn, burn, burn.